0: Epigenetics Podcast Episode 13 Welcome to the 13th episode of the Epigenetics Podcast from Active Motif. My name is Stefan and I am part of the technical support and marketing team of Active Motif. Our special guest for this episode is Joe Fernandez, the founder of Active Motif. He was born in the U.S., but moved to Spain, where he studied in a British college, but decided to come back to the U.S. for college. He then chose Hiram College, an hour from Cleveland, Ohio, for its strong biology program. He proceeded to graduate school in bacterial genomics and the academic route at Bowling State University, but was recruited by San Diego Biotech when biotech and cloning was just beginning to flourish, and jumped to the corporate world. Not much later, he took that entrepreneurial knowledge and co-founded Invitrogen, which is now Life Technologies, at the early age of 28. After a successful IPO with Invitrogen, he departed and funded Active Motif to do more cell biology and focus less in DNA and more on what's happening inside the nucleus, what is now known as epigenetics, where he is still today. And now, let's dive right into the interview. A question I like to I like to ask every guest uh, in the beginning of our podcast and you're no exception obviously is uh, how did you become interested in biology in in the first place and then in pursuing a career in science?
1: I always been interested in science but um in, during my ONA levels I got interested in molecular biology when I read the double helix by Watson and Crick uh, and that gave me a fascination on DNA. And then in college uh, I, w- I went into the biology brain and I became really a molecular biologist after a molecular biology seminar where they turned the lights off and they make me visualize uh, ribosome and protein, I pr- um, in mRNA transcription, ribosome and protein production uh, in a 3 dimension visual way. And uh, from there on, I started looking at molecular biology in a like molecules and interactions and, in, and, in, and that really excited me and, and got me to continue studying uh, molecule interactions.
0: What always fascinated me is like, how do they find each other, right? I mean, it's like this comparatively huge space in the nucleus and then, or in the cell when you talk about ribosome. And, and then you have these small molecules and they have to find together, right? And, and, and I mean, it's just crazy how, how this all works works out. It was always fascinating but, for me.
1: Yeah, I think it's fascinating. And, and once you start visualizing it, uh, it makes you realize how simple chemistry is.
0: <laughs> it's In the end, it's all chemistry. <laughs> um, biology and the biotech industry was very different at the time when you started, right? Um, about 20 years ago. Uh, what was the atmosphere like um, in the field at that time when you started?
1: When I first started, um, molecular biology was very, very, very young. Uh, I, to tell you... Uh, my thesis in grad school was looking at cisplatinum uh, binding to DNA, and my and I was trying just cutting pieces of DNA, treating with cisplatinum, and then sequencing through maximum Gilbert. Right. Uh, so I used to sequence twenty, thirty bases, forty bases. Uh, then Sanger sequencing came around. I started sequencing maybe two hundred bases. Uh, so everything the industry was very new. So everything that you did was like new unique new vectors new new systems um since then it has matured a lot Uh, and it's now a just a mature field
0: uh uh, then you went on and co-funded funded in VitroGen, um, and the industry also—not just the field of molecular biology, but also the industry—was very different then than now. Uh, you were also the first ones to sell like cloning kits. Um, how was was the field and then, and especially the industry um, different then and now?
1: Well, back then there was um, there was the need to clone mRNAs and express them in mammalian systems. And we took advantage of that need and started developing cloning systems for mammalian expression. And then obviously, something that hasn't matured that much even today since then, is actually expressing of these, either through Baclovaros or pekepastores or something like this. And back then, before the human genome was sequenced, we actually did think that that was gonna be the answer to biology, cloning a gene, Expressing it and understanding it, and it wasn't until after the human genome got sequenced that we realized that there was way more complexity to it than a, a linear uh, uh, um, RNA to D- DNA to RNA, RNA
0: to protein expression. Uh, what you basically did then was reusing tools that were already there, right? I mean, this was like enzymes that were you were. Expressed in bacteria, they use them for different purposes, and you just reuse them, put them in a different toolbox, and use them in mammalian systems. Right? I mean, it's
1: yes. I mean, uh, I mean, I feel very strongly that the field of molecular biology is the field of microbial genetics. So we just use the microbial genetic tools that were there to actually make mo- molecular biology for mammalian cells a little. More efficient, better, and and move um, from the study of genes in E. coli to study the genes in mammalian cells.
0: Um, do you? I mean, I'm I'm now jumping ahead a little bit, but but the question that now arises is: um, Do you think that there is? I mean, we have now seen CRISPR-Cas arising from also microbes, and do you think that there is more to discover?
1: I think there's a ton more to discover. <laughs> I, I think uh, microbial genetics will always be the basis of 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 molecular biology. Uh, uh it uh, microbes and phages have to be so much more efficient on their uh on their evolutionary pathway that you're gonna find incredible amount of tools still to come. Uh TN five, we we use TN five, T seven RNA polymerase, T four polymerase. I mean almost everything that we use today, uh at the molecular level comes from bacteriophages or or, or bacteria.
0: Why do you think do they have such great tools? I mean, is it because they can grow so quickly and have a, like a short generation time and, and then this ev- evolution is, is going quick more quick or do they have to adapt to different um, environments because they grow in, in, in any kind of environment you can think of?
1: I think both. I think that um, a bacteriophage has to be incredibly efficient or and and so do bacteria. Uh, they don't have an immune response. They don't have other things to protect them, uh, and and in most cases they're the most simplistic of uh, rep- reproductive systems.
0: So when we move on to to Active Motif, which was founded twenty years ago. Um, and in the past 20 years, many companies have been acquired uh, or had to close their doors. Um, what do you think is it about Active Motif that uh, has allowed the company to continue growing and stay independent so long?
1: Uh, I, I guess I, would, I will characterize it in three different levels. Uh, first, the people that we have. I think we have some incredible people and very committed to the entity. The focus, uh, we have focus in epigenetics and not. Try to move away from that. And then, thirdly, uh, good science is good business. And we try to drive the company through good
0: science. So, it was when you started with Active Motive, it was not called epigenetics, right? Yet. (laughs) Or how?
1: how? When we started, it wasn't epigenetics, but I was trying really hard to stay inside the nucleus uh, because. Like I said, after the human genome was sequenced, and we found out there was probably only twenty-five thousand genes, we knew that the answer was not the gene. So now it was time to study the cell biology, what was going inside the nucleus. So almost everything that we started with was looking at transcription factors or, or things like that. Uh, and then the, the buzz became epigenetics, so we started moving more into epigenetics.
0: Um, then in the early 2000s, uh, along the way, with the rise of the chromosome confirmation capture methods, um, the view changed, right? I mean, it was first the linear genome, and then it went to, to maybe more to the 3D genome, which opened then a new um, field. How did you see this change?
1: Well, it's always fascinating uh, if you look at uh, two meters of DNA DNA. And twenty-three pair of chromosomes having to fit into, I mean, a micronucleus like ninety microns, and the way that it does it is of, of actually um, like uh, DNA around a bead, uh, your your nucleosomes, your H2, ah 2 H3, H4, and how it loops around it and it condenses almost. I don't know what it is, but probably around a hundred fold, hundred thousand fold. Um, from linear to a nucleus and the ability of this to fold in such a way that it it can then control what genes and what cell type it is and it can then divide, I mean, around 500 nucleotides per second, uh, 50 revolutions per second, an incredible speed and form the same structure of, uh, of the chromosome that it had. The, from mother to daughter and be able to express the same genes uh, to me has been fascinating you know I mean? and now and how that is controlled through modification of histone tells, through microRNAs through uh, uh, link RNAs uh, and what even surprises even more is how accurate it is every single time. That it, and it's rare that a disease stage happens. So the most normal thing is that things happen normally. And with the complexity of, of epigenetics or the chromosome or folding of histone marks and all that, it's, to me, it's just surprising how efficient the system is.
0: And it doesn't even stop in a daughter cell, right? If you look at new studies, it even goes like... Uh, in, yeah. You can see in C. elegans that it goes down like 14 generations or something. Yeah.
1: Uh, and and but, but... Yeah. Depending on the definition of, 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 of epigenetics, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah. Um, you already mentioned it, that, that this does have mature uh, implications in in disease states and then this field like epigenetics is now expanding in like everything um, and has also clinical applications right Where do you think this is going in the clinics I mean it's also aging that is implicated
1: well for me epigenetics is, is uh, it's going to be like the canary in the mine uh, it, it's it, it has this the signals of something going wrong or something going right. And as long as we can start reading the signals in the blood, either the new, uh, uh, either H3 mutations, uh, or, or, or histone tail mutations, or what people are doing is looking at microRNAs in saliva. All these things are telling you something's happening, even though it may not be happening. You may not have cancer yet, but it tells you that you're about to have, get cancer. You may not have a neuro disorder yet, but the saliva and the microRNA may tell you you will have a neuro disorder. So, I think that you're going, you're going to see diagnostics coming forward. i all be epigenetic based diagnostics, not all of them, obviously, but a big percentage of them. Um, and then, even more interesting is once you have, you understand. What these, uh, uh, histone tales are telling you. And I'm a believer that the revolution all these marks have a function, so and right now <laughs> because we, they would
0: be there then, right? Exactly,
1: and uh, and there are hundreds of them, right? So, so we know very little right now. Uh, so the correlations we're putting together are based on a few marks. Uh, once we understand them all, we understand the language. We understand how they fit with refoldering proteins. We understand how they fit with uh, uh, RNA structures. Then we'll be able to then interrupt those when when it's hacked when like for example a stage where it's causing cancer and now you can start building cures that are specific to that individual and to that epigenetic effect
0: it must be i mean you're really passionate talking about all those things i mean it must be more fun doing it now than it was back then when you just had like one vector with one protein and then and, and doing analysis on that right
1: I actually don't think that there's a better time to be in science than right now. I would recommend anybody in college sure. or to go to grad school and to continue in sciences because there has never been a more exciting time.
0: I mean, we also have a lot of, uh, not, yeah, there, there are great methods out there, and we also have like, great methods like uh, TechSeq, like ChipSeq. What do you envision is, is, is like the, the best breakthrough that, that was, was around? Or
1: it, it is really hard to know what the next breakthrough is. It seems like after the human genome sequence, uh, breakthroughs came through brute force and a lot of work. In other words, uh, doing a lot of chip seeks, doing a lot of RNA seeks, doing them both in population and single cell, and then being able to look, and and, and obviously mass spec at the end, looking at, at protein levels. And now how can we get the bioinformatics to look at all these things and actually trying to... Uh, figure out what is actually what is telling us. Uh, how does the, the the secondary structure of a of a chromosome fits with um, uh, your your transcription factor chip data? How that fits with your RNA transcription? How that fits with your protein expression and so on? Uh, and I think that the bioinformatics is what's going to is a limiting factor right now to be able to unite all these databases in a smart manner. Uh, some people call it artificial intelligence. I just call it interactions analysis of of, of databases.
0: So like 20 years ago, um, it was still possible to like put one PhD student on one topic and have him do that for five years and it's, it worked out fine because he could do it 24-7 and then in the end he would like end up answering one question, he would be done, it would be fine. Do you think it's still the case uh, those days, or because you're now saying it needs so much things, so much methods, so much uh, bioinformatics, is it still possible for one PhD student to do that, or do you need a more complex approach to to have like companies doing services, like doing experts doing the informatics and and somebody doing some experiments but not everything?
1: No, I think you're right. I think that uh, as the industry has matured, now it requires. I mean, an individual has to sequence a billion bases a day to get at enough data, uh, and then they have to analyze that, and then you know, I mean they have to fit it with different data, th- different systems. Uh, uh, science has to be done at the single cell and has to done, be done at the population cell uh, to answer questions. Um, and so I do, uh, yeah, I do think that the ability of sequencing a gene and getting a paper is no longer going to happen. You know, what I mean? now it's going to be how understanding all these things come together to, to answer a question. Uh, but there's so many questions still to answer that uh, I think that they're still fascinating. You know, and, uh, and, and there's going to be, coming forward, there's going to be people that only do uh, wet lab with the little analysis. And there's going to be enough databases out there that people are going to be able to do some great science without ever touching a wet lab.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is so much data out there. You, you just said it. I mean, you can just go... Go in there, grab all those data, and just do sit in front of your computer and just analyze everything and then you would maybe find something new um, I mean it's just incredible I guess uh, you would need to just find the yeah the, the information that is already there and then you don't need to do the experimenting anymore
1: I, I agree I mean I think mm-hmm. science is, is moving into more into silico than uh, than before uh, but there's still so much data is to be generated, uh, and needed. I mean, we, we, I don't think we understand transcription factors well enough. I don't think we understand, uh, reef molding molecules well enough. I don't think we definitely don't understand histone tails well enough. Uh, we're beginning to understand microRNAs a little bit. Uh, there's just, yeah, it, it still is a very, very, beginning of what we can call a 3d biology understanding biology through all different interactions uh, inside a nucleus
0: yeah you also mentioned it now the field of epigenetics traditionally focused on dna modifications because we, we knew that and then histone modifications came into the play and now this whole new field of rna modification is opening up um, yeah one question would be, where do you think this is moving? And the other thing is, where do you also see other things that might be influencing things?
1: Well, they're all, all relevant, right? I, I, I'm a believer in DNA modifications, f5 uh, methyl, and, and, and trying to understand those a little better as it relates to the folding, the histone um, uh, nucleosome positioning. Um, and then in the RNA-wise, I mean, how do these RNA modifications affect uh, finding the right ribosome and how much time the ribosome spends on that RNA to control the uh, protein levels inside a cell um the, the 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 more we go into the biology of what's going on inside a cell the more we understand that there is regulation at every single step and and and, and I think that the reason why a cell doesn't make too many mistakes because there's a lot of backup systems to everything. I mean, I, I have believed that you have the ribosome as a backup system, the mRNA modification as a backup system, then you have DNA modifications, and then you have histone tail modifications, and so on. So so the cell can actually, if, it, it, seems, it seems almost like an airplane that has backup systems for everything.
0: So it's a redundancy that, in the end, because you see similar effects on different levels, right?
1: That's, that's my theory. I don't, obviously, still to be proved.
0: Yeah, and then another thing would be like the interactions between all those things that still need to be unraveled, right? I mean... Uh, yeah. So there is also methods like seek or seek that would be... Uh, well, yeah. Well, a- ATAC
1: just gives you open chromatin, right? Um, but this uh, would be a good
0: entry point to to use ATAC seq to to do that.
1: Yeah, but I but I, I think you're gonna have. To, I mean, I'm a believer that ATAC seq is is just a rough way of looking at open chromatin. There's gonna be better ways, which is by doing chip based on on histone marks. Are you gonna be able to then to, uh, maybe at, in the, uh, interpret that open region frame a little more? Is it an enhancer? Is it what 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 is it? You know what I mean? um and i think that you're going to start seeing chip becoming way more um used around and, and you, you, you believe
0: be- that chip is still going to grow well, I think we need to understand
1: the DNA protein interactions. And there's not too, I mean, I don't know if you want to call it chip. You want to call it cut and run. You're going to call it tag time chip, where you want to call it. But the ability to understand a protein DNA interactions. And, and then when it comes to histone and the, the histone modifications and the DNA interactions and the, how that affects the transcription factor and so on. Yes, I think that we still have a long way to go. Um, because we, 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 we're beginning to understand. Very clearly, the naked DNA means very little. So now we have to understand how the 2 do structure of non-naked DNA and the chromosome and the proteins that uh, that code it uh, affect transcription and translation and so differentiation.
0: So during the, the last minutes, uh, we have taken a journey along the twenty years of your history and also the history of epigenetic uh, discoveries. Um, if you look back, um, what is your highlight on in this? span in, in, in this uh, journey.
1: I just think that it, it's been a lot of fun to see how uh, molecular genomics has matured um, I, I think it's a lot of fun to see in our lab and our, our service groups or even our kids, but in our service group on how we can sequence uh, billions of bases a day. Um, look at, 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 uh, do hundreds of, of chip sequences at a time, uh, be able to now beginning to analyze this data as it relates to chip and mRNA and then even, even look at uh, a mass spec data at the end to compare pathways and transcription factors. Um, so I think the way genomic has evolved is, is just been, has, has been fascinated. And I, I think we have a long way to go, uh, but there is a new generation out there ready to take it.
0: Oh, if, if, when you already mentioned that, I mean, it must be fascinating for you because, I mean, you have your visions, your ideas, and, and everything. But uh, talking to customers who have different visions, other things that you might not have thought of, this must be already fun already, right?
1: I, I think it's a blast. I, I, I think, uh, I mean, obviously, there was way better people than me before me <laughs> uh, that helped me and they trained me. But uh, the, I think there's going to be a next generation that is st- will start thinking as complex uh, biology. Will not be thinking on linear biology like we've all grown up to do, and we will be able to analyze this data and interpret what's going on inside the nucleus and the folding of this uh, of a structure of chromosomes and its its meaning to transcription, translation, differentiation, way more than we could before.
0: So, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts and for being on the show.
1: Thank you very much.
0: This was the thirteenth episode of the Epigenetics Podcast from Active Motif. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. We are happy to receive your feedback on Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn. If you have any further questions, you can also reach me at eurotech at activemotif.com. You can download the podcast also via iTunes. For more great epigenetics content, check out the Activenotif blog motivations at activenotif.com blog. Thanks for listening and stay tuned.